fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with, their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. Now, I don't know if you've ever get stressed out about finances. You get stressed out about those? Well, you start to worry about it. And I remember that there are times that my biggest dream is to, now, this, I'm, I'm throwing myself out there, is to realize that I was adopted and that I'm really a Rockefeller. And somehow I get the certified letter from the Rockefeller Center that I've inherited about $4.7 million. I would be more secure. I would be free. I wouldn't worry about stress. Have you ever wished that? Not to be a Rockefeller. You guys play the lotto. It's the same thing. And so it's interesting because when we talk about inheritance, there are times in, in our families when someone passes away and we go, okay, Grand, our grandparents, our parents, okay, who's, who's in charge of the inheritance? How is that going to work? And so therefore, family members become very suspicious of each other. And it's interesting because if you go in the Word of God, there was a brother that went to Jesus because what he was doing, he was worried about not getting his fair share of inheritance. And so what he did is, he goes to Jesus himself and basically says, dude, talk to my brother and I. Can you mediate this? Because all I want, I'm not asking for a lot. All I want is my fair share, right? Have you ever done that? Just want my fair share. That's it. Now, Jesus does not deal with a lot of the questions, but he deals with the heart of the issue. So Jesus decides he's going to break out in a parable and tell a story. This is what he said. Follow me. Then he told the parable, a certain rich man land produced a beautiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought he would, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. That's where I'll store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, like Mr. T, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get all the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. So instead of saying, yeah, I'll deal with it, he just goes right in the heart of the matter where this guy is. Because basically, I need it. I got to get this. 
And so this is a nightmare for anybody that's planning on early retirement, if you think about this. Because story after story in my lifetime, I hear somebody passing away three months, two years, year after retirement. And you're just going, oh, this is not right. This is why the Kobe Bryant things messed me up. Because I'm 42 years old, he took an, a retirement. Kobe Bryant should be living another 42 years at least. But he lost his life tragically. He committed to his family, he committed to this, he had it all set. And so it just, it's just an example of wow. But the thing is, what's interesting to me, going watching the Kobe thing, I had to ask myself this question, and I'll put it on the screen. If I'm gone tomorrow, what will it be about? What will it be about for me? How will I be remembered? Will it be about what I've collected, or will it be by what I gave? Look at Kobe Bryant. It's what he gave. Very fascinating to me that he's known for what he's given. And so during this series, it's called Make a Change. And it's my hope that God is helping us have a hard change when it comes to our personal finances, whether we have a lot or whether we have some or whether we're just going, oh, I don't want personal finances. That's a joke. And so let me review something. I'll put it on the screen. I talked about the three G's here. Grace, the first one, God's gift, makes us grateful, which moves us to give. And today I want to focus on the third G, which we are giving. And, let, and, and let's me ask this question today. Will my life be defined by my giving? Or will my life be defined by my receiving? There's two different things. Our lives are defined, either one. It's interesting how our reading today is lined up on this topic. And if, you, if you've been part of a church, we follow the Revived Common Lectionary, which goes through and covers most of the Bible in a three-year process. So you, if you have an excellent memory, you'll realize the scripture that was read today was read exactly three years ago this weekend. I don't even remember what I preached last week, let alone what we read three years ago. And so it just happens to be consistent with our theme of our church, restored in order to restore. In fact, the last verse of the passage says this, you will be called menders of broken walls, restorable of the livable streets. This is powerful, because basically the prophet Isaiah is saying we need to be defined not by our hoarding, we need to be defined by our generosity by our giving. And so he's saying, look, you clowns, I don't know if he said that, but you clowns, you're doing those religious stuff. You're doing it all right. And you're asking God to bless you, and he's not. And, and, and the thing is, God blessed them at certain points of their life, but guess what? They became greedy. They wanted more blessing. They wanted more stuff. So therefore, while they were doing the right thing that required, the religious required of them, they were showing up for worship, doing sacrifices, tithing and fasting their prayer. But Isaiah said, good night, your heart is in the wrong place. It's still about receiving. It's about hoarding. And so, follow me on the screen. Due, due to their greed, 
They were overlooking their injustice, which was making victims of people. They wanted God's blessing, but were unwilling to share the wealth. God had given them with exploited workers who were producing the wealth. God was calling them to be grateful for what they had been given and to share it with others who were in need. God was calling them to bring restoration through their giving. Then if you, if you look at this, you move in the Old Testament. This is interesting because this is a scripture that most churches don't like to read. And it's in Psalms, Psalms 112.1. And this is David. He says this. I praise the Lord. Happy are those. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. Who fear the Lord. Get it. Who greatly delight in the... Oh, shoot. Are you serious? Commandments? You know, the thing is... You know, back when I was younger, we had Christian bookstores everywhere. You remember Christian bookstores? Now Amazon is taking, it's like the awes of everything. You look at the most, the, the most titled Christian books have the word promises in it. And so you, therefore, you, you grab a book and say, the 365 promises of God. Oh, I'm going to stand on the promises of God and do this. But sell them, because it doesn't sell, to buy a book, 365 Commandments of the Year. No. But this is where David's saying you delight in the commandments of God. Happy are those flourishing that are keeping, up with the, keeping the commandments of God. See, the reason why, and I get this, and tell me, I don't know if you agree or disagree, and I'll put it on the screen. Love is expressed... Through gracious giving. You ever love someone that's a narcissistic person? You give, he ain't receiving it, Jack, right? And so therefore, the way we express our love is, is basically by giving. Now this is where Psalms gets into this, and I love this. Wealth and riches are in their house. And their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as the light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and land who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. Now get this. They will be remembered forever. Why are they going to be remembered forever? On the screen. People are not remembered for what they keep, but what they give. That's how you live a legacy beyond your life. By being generous. By being giving. The scripture gives us two very important principles here about money. First, everything that comes from God. And second, God asks us to give in order to keep gracious blessings in circulation so that everyone has enough. We are commanded to give back to God. Not what is ours, but what is God's in that way. God is able to bless us with more than enough so we continue to have something to share. And that gives me back to, gets me back on the Old Testament, Old Testament practical way. It's called tithing. Now follow me here. A tithe is 10% and of what we've earned. Now let me tell you this. When I, when I was practicing with a sermon, I go, I know where they're going to predict where I'm going. And I'm not going to go there. And so I wrote it on the screen. I'm now preaching on the topic to get you to tithe to this church. Ain't doing it. 
The teaching is for you and not because you are hoping to get something from you. Okay? I'm just telling you. Might as well throw my intention out there. In fact, God is not, if God is not laying on your heart to give joyfully and willingly, don't. Because it's a pain in the butt. Because when someone's going, hey, can you loan me some money? And you know they're not paying you back. You ain't a cheerful giver, are you? I, I know you guilt-tripping person here. I, that's not cheerful, is it? I, 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 my philosophy, don't loan people money. I, I, my family member asked me, hey, can you loan me some money? I went, no. It was like thousands to help buy a house. I go, my relationship with you is too important. So figure it out. I didn't say it that way. I, what I said is Jennifer won't let me. <laughs> it's good to stand up and get a backbone, right? <laughs> See, God wants to free us to be able to receive freely and to experience the joy of giving freely. And so, okay, let's get back to the basics of tithe. First step we learned that tithing, like, like other Old Testament requirements, is no longer a requirement. I didn't misspell that. It's no longer a requirement. It's Old Testament. Let you off the hook? The Old Testament gives many commandments to follow. These commandments are what we call rules for like children. You know how parents, when they say, hey, look, I need you to go to bed by 8. That's a rule. And I go, Dad, it's still light. Why? Go to bed. Now, parents nowadays like to sit down and negotiate and talk and feeling good, but my get over to bed. That's how I grew up, you know? Like, you're going to see the hand before the hug. And so, that's why I don't have children. <laughs> the Old Testament rules were meant to point to something else. In the New Testament, Jesus gave only one command, just one. And that was the command to love. Tithing is therefore an Old Testament command, command that points towards an expression of the New Testament command to love. Generosity is one of the most practical expressions of love. So therefore, even though tithing is no longer biblical, must it, come, it can serve as best as training wheels for learning the habit of generosity. And so this is interesting. A tithe is 10%, and it's interesting. They call it the first fruits of your labor. Now, tithing started in the Old Testament, Abraham. Abraham decided that he loved God so much that during the harvest that he gave the first 10% of his harvest, the first part of his fruits to God in a celebration of saying, God, thank you. Thank you for blessing me with this harvest. And so that later on in the Old Testament, it became a command. And so all of us, we don't own vineyards. And so our first fruits are what we call our paychecks. Now, this is fascinating to me because when, oh, shoot, I got lost here. So our, per, our tithe is 10% of our, our paycheck, and then we give it to the church, the body, and it's supposed to be used for the ministry of helping people in need. 
a couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing a little bit. And again, come on the 23rd. Please come. Did I beg you before? The 23rd, right? The 23rd. Please come. But here we go in Isaiah 58. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting in Isaiah 58 because he explains what the church should be doing with the tithe. And I broke it down in writing here. If you're giving back to God through this local church, it is a duty of this local church to use those resources as God would want them to be used. Those tithes will be used to minister to the needs of those who are marginalized, oppressed, broken, hurting, and to bring the restoration and liberation of Christ. And so the next principle we learn, tithing invites you to give the first of the resources to God rather than the leftovers. Now let me use an analogy here. If I had 10 apples, and every two weeks I say, here, here's 10 apples. But you know what? Let me challenge you here. Enjoy nine of them. Enjoy it. But that 10th apple... I want you to help feed someone else. I want you to give to someone else. I want you to give somebody hope to somebody else. And you go, wow, okay, I can do this. So we go, boom. So we go, apple one, apple two, apple three. Ooh, this is fun. Apple. And then that last apple, we go, holy. Man, I don't want to go, I don't want to eat at home this week. Forget the apple, I'll use it. Or, you know, that apple is like a car payment. You know, the more money you make, the bigger it gets. Do you notice that? And you're going, that would be a nice flipping car payment. And so what tendency to say is when we wait to give the last, then what happens? We don't give it. This is why, why Abraham said, give your first. Do you guys know in history Peter Marshall? He was a chaplain at uh, the U.S. Senate for many years when the Senate was kind of actually working together. Peter Marshall tells a story, and I like this story. He had a good friend of his that basically said, you know what, I've stopped tithing because I'm earning a half a million a year. And if I tithe, that is 50 grand. And so he goes, let me pray for you. Because he's, he's, the guy said, I used to tithe. So I put his actual prayer for this guy on the screen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will reduce this man's salary back to a place where he can afford to tithe. Amen. And you go, oh, wait. Because, you know, when you're earning 10000 it's pretty, it's not that much. But when you're earning a half a million. Here's the statistics that are startling. And this is where I, I get frustrated that we think if the rich get richer, then it's going to help a lot of other people. It's not the case, even in a church biblical way. Watch this on the screen. A smaller percentage of Christians tithe regularly, 2.5%. But during the Great Depression, 3.5%. When they were poorer, more gave. It's interesting, 2008, I believe, was our highest giving year ever since I've been here at this church. And that was during the biggest recession. Very fascinating to me. And so here, tithers only make up 10 to 25% of the local congregation. Christians only give, giving 2.5% of the capital income. Now, get this. This is just if, you, if I live in this perfect little bubble, 
Don't look at the screen here. Do you guys remember Keith Green? Okay, Keith Green was killed in a plane accident in 1983. Messed up my life because his songs were so powerful. And he even said if the church would do what the church is called to do, there would be no need for the government to help the poor because the church needs to be doing it, not the government. I mean, he was hardcore. It's, so I, I figured this. If all American Christians gave 10%, that it would equal to 165 billion in additional funds. 25 billion could relieve the world's starvation and preventable de death, eliminate. 12 billion, uh, 20, yeah, 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation problem. And then we have 110 to 115 billion left over for other ministry needs. Now, this is in the perfect little bubble, but I, frankly, this is what the church is called to do. So that's if, if everybody gave one apple. See, number five, if you can't tie 10%, then start smaller. You know, if you make 100,000 and you just go, wow, that's, I, I, don't, I can't afford the 10 grand right now, then start with 1,000. And I, let me recommend, you know, I shared with you at the beginning of the series that 40% of all Americans do not have a $400 emergency fund. And, and, and the average credit card debt is 17,000 per family. Work on that right now. Start with one, and then learn how to do it. And so this is interesting to me. This habit of giving off the top of your income reshapes your trust, reshapes the stress. I had anxiety attack in 2009 because we were so much in debt that I actually fell in the, in, <laughs> in my office. I was so stressed out. And I remember going to Jennifer, and I was in tears, because I invested in homes and I, I thought we were doing the right thing. And I apologized to her. And she said to me, as long as we're tithing, God's gonna take care of us. And she went on to watch TV. It's 2020, he did. I don't know how it does it, but it's almost a trust in this. And so when we look at the, how God wants us to be defined by our generation, look on the screen. Tithing is just a way of, uh, to form a habit of generous giving. It's meant to lead you to an ability to give joyfully beyond the tithe. Now, here this is, <laughs> whatever that went. There are 2,604 billionaires in the world. You're looking, I'm not. I'm not one of those 2,000. Do I wish? It would be kind of nice. Now, you look at billionaires, the percentage they're giving billionaires is less than 10 to help people. Now, I looked at this, I decided to do the statistics, and I said, look, if somebody gave me a billion dollars, and I decide I'm going to spend $1,000 a day, and then I'll die broke, my life spans probably 30 years, if I die at 87. If 
For me to spend a billion dollars and a thousand a day, my lifespan would have to last, starting today, 2,740 years from now to spend it all. 2,740 years. That's crazy if you think about this. And so when we look at this, studies have shown on this, oh, it's not on the screen, studies have shown that when you become a certain threshold of wealth, that all of a sudden your needs are being met and, and, and therefore you're not having to worry about check, check to check and therefore they're generally happy. They, that same study shows that the more you make does not make you any happier. It doesn't make you any happier. It doesn't make you more content. That's why I put it on the screen. God designed us in God's image. God is a gracious giver. We are designed to be the same. When we operate the way we are created, we flourish as human beings, and we are at the point of our happiest. I had somebody that just gave a $100 bill to me, and, and it was a lady, she goes, I, I was listening to a prayer request, and uh, can you give her $100 and no, do this anonymous? And I said, sure but I want you to stand on the other side of the curtain and peek. So she came in and said, bad pastor, and I said, you know, someone that just heard your prayer request, and I gave her $100. She began to cry. And then I heard Snortville over here. <laughs> you know, she was starting to cry. And later that day, she goes, that was the most joyful experience I've ever had, $100. Do you see what I mean? So when you hear these prayer requests, the Lord answers them through you, through me, and how we can do this. This is where it, it gives great things. That's why I was giving $100 away on a weekly basis at Christmas for you to be a blessing to someone else, because it gave me joy. And so this is where it's interesting. Have you ever watched, this is my favorite line with my wife. You know how you go, so-and-so called and once, you know. And so I, my wife has her school books and all that stuff, and she's a school teacher, and she has to have her school books. And I'll come in and I say, hey, the producers of Hoarders called and want you to call them back. I think we can get an episode pretty quick. <laughs> you know, you're not jumping on them. You're just saying someone called, right? You ever watch Hoarders? It's a crazy show, isn't it? You're looking at these nutcases that basically are hoarding a bunch of stuff and, I mean, to a point where they can't even use their bathrooms, they can't even use anything, and their value of who they are is so tied up in this junk. And you see, every episode's this way. You see family members crying and pleading for them to stop it. And then you have a psychologist that says it, it is a mental illness of being a hoarder, right? But if that's a mental illness, then why isn't hoarding money a mental illness? I mean, think about this. That all of a sudden, your relationships suffer because it's about the money. Because it's about your value. It's about who you are. And when I watch hoarders, and, the, and all of a sudden they cling in their place, and you go, oh my goodness, you can breathe. 
The same thing with financially hoarding. You can begin to breathe as well. And so look at her in scripture. Bring the whole tenth. No, no, this is funny. I wish I could have talked to Dennis prior to this. <laughs> you like that one? Dennis is an incredible actor. And he's an actor training. He does this incredible... He can do a TV preacher like it's funny. And if you notice TV preachers, it's about the money. It's about, you know, giving and you'll receive. And so let me use, show you the scripture they use. And let me tell you what the scripture means. Because if I can biblically embrace prosperity theology, oh, I'm flying in a Learjet. I'm doing this, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm going to say, look, if you tithe $100, he'll, he'll give you $10,000. And these are the scriptures they use. Malachi, bring the whole tenth part of the storage house so there might, might be food in, the, in my house. Bring, te bring, test me in this. Say to the Lord's heavenly forces, see whether I do not open all the windows of heaven for you and empty out the blessings until there is enough. Or here's another scripture they use. Give and it will be given to you. A good portion packed down, firmly shaken, overflowing, will fall into your lap. The portion you give will determine the portion you receive in return. Ah, hallelujah. Hey, T.J. Jakes, that's what he does. He's a white guy, he can't do it right, but anyway, they do it. See, this is what the problem with this. This is what you call quid pro quo. This is basically, I'm going to God, I'm going to give this, and I'm going to get this in return. We got a deal, God, right? We got a deal. But let me tell you what makes a different interpretation of these passages. Look on the screen. Grace is a flow which requires both receiving and giving to keep it in circulation. When we start to think that what has been given freely to us by God is ours, we stop the circulation by hoarding. When we give freely, practical grace keeps flowing and comes back to us so that we have enough needs, uh, enough to meet our needs and to share so that everyone's needs are met. Giving is a we thing, not a me thing. What I give to you, I give to me. What you give to me, you give to yourself. And what you give to others, you give to Christ. Because we are one body. To hoard what has been freely given is to cut ourselves off from this living organism, which we will have a bigger barn, but we won't be truly alive. Final. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. The last quote, so you guys can wake up. Our compassion and generosity is the way our inner God light shines brightest. We are the most like God when we give out of our heart of love and compassion because that's the way God gives so freely to us and to our world. May God bless you and may God bless his word.